0: Um, In our bulletin, we have a QR code
1: that you can scan. This allows you to connect to all of our online information about our church. The giving of tithes and offerings along with our social media platforms are all in one place when you scan the QR code. Um, So please click on that menu for first-time guests as well. Today, we are celebrating the Village Church's 11th anniversary. Yay! Praise be to God. Um, We welcome Reverend Adam Tisdale to our pulpit today and Tamara Bode um, as our special guest worship leader. Thank you both for being here for a special day. Um, Everyone is invited to stay afterwards for the reception, uh, which will be out here. Thank you. Um, This week we have a women's ministry event. We have fellowship and Bible study on Tuesday, November 15th, right at the church house, right over there, starting at 530. And also on Tuesday, we have a youth ministry Friendsgiving. It also starts at 530, so very convenient. Um, And details were sent out over Flocknote from Kate McClure. So if you did not get that and you have a youth, please let her or Waikita know, and we can give you some info about the Friendsgiving for the youth. Um, Next Saturday, November 19th, is a Lincoln Village Workday from 8 to 11 at Lincoln Village School. Uh, please check your village happenings on Clock Note for more information. And lastly, um, next Sunday, November 20th, we will celebrate communion. So these are your no- morning announcements. Please govern yourselves accordingly. Of-
2: Good morning, the Village Church. Good morning. Good morning. Happy anniversary. (laughs) It is so good to be back with you all. Um, Maybe half of you recognize me. I don't know. The other half, maybe not. Thank you. But I feel like I'm at home. (laughs) I was here for about four or five years some time ago. Um, So it's just so good to be back. And in this moment, I just want to invite you to prepare your hearts to receive what it is that we will receive today. And can we just meditate on the name of Jesus? The name of Jesus is such a beautiful name. Does anybody agree? He he has such a beautiful name and we just want to worship him this morning. Is that okay? We just want to worship the name of Jesus. The Bible says that the name of Jesus is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and we are safe. So we can just sing about that beautiful name this morning come on would you sing it with me everyone singing you were
3: you were the word at the beginning one Wonder- your hidden glory glory and creation you can stand with me if you want now rethink.
2: Your life and everything that he's done up to this point in your
3: life when you begin to worship him. Come on, let's sing this. Sing, Death could not hurt.
4: a silent prayer a silent meditation death could not hold you the veil tore before you Jesus you silent the boast of sin and grave the heavens are warring the praise of your glory for you are raised to life again you have no rival you have no equal now and forever God you reign yours is the kingdom yours is the glory yours is the name above all names amen happy 11th anniversary TVC it's a this is a actually it's been 14 years since we started, but 11 years since we were a particular church. And I, I want us to, as you reflect this upcoming week, just thank Jesus for all His blessings to our church. Um, we're still here because of Him. We're still ministering in this community because of Him. It's not the good that we've done. It's because He's been good and faithful to us through the ups and downs. Through our shortcomings, through our mistakes, through our failures, and through the church hurt that some of us have suffered, even in this place. And so, give praise to God for what He's doing and will continue to do in life of our church. I do want to thank my friend, Ms. Tam Bodie, for coming, and my Pat friend, Reverend Tisdale, for coming to lead us today. So, beloved, will you please stand for the call to worship today? I will do the part that says leader and when you respond the part is for the people For the Lord is good for his steadfast love endures forever
2: really do serve a great God. So put a smile on your face and look like we serve a great God as we worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Come on, everybody, singing. You should know this one. The splendor
3: of a king. The splendor of a king. Let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice, he wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and
2: trembles
3: at his voice, trembles at his voice, everybody sing, how great. getting at me
4: Our Trinitarian God is great, but do we believe it? But do we believe it? Let us go to the Lord now in prayer of praise. Trinitarian, Father, you are good. Not some of the time, but all the time. Your steadfast love endures forever and ever. Your love is greater than the worst sin we're ever going to commit in this life. It's still greater. You are a merciful God. You are a kind God. You're also a God of justice. You're also a just God. You're also holy. You're also a God who disciplined us in love. And you are also sovereign in your creation you're holding this world in the palm of your hands in your plan Lord the enemy will not stop it your goodness cannot be stopped your restoration cannot be stopped your peace cannot be stopped even in the midst of, of, of the evilness that we see and the things that we suffer we know we shall see the goodness of the Lord and land of the living that's what your words say That's what David says in the Psalms. And as your people, we corporately come and we would just want to say thank you for all the ways that you have sustained, all the ways that you have blessed. We thank you for the times you have told us no, because that's not what's good for us. We thank you that that you are God of all comfort. We thank you that, that you are our good shepherd in the midst of the things that we go in and out of we thank you that you not only love us but you like us Lord you inhabit the praises of your people you have enshrined us on the palm of your hands even though our mother and father would forget us our loved ones may forget us but you say you will never forget us nor would you forsake us but I have to be honest sometimes it feels like you do Sometimes it feels like you're punishing us. Sometimes it feels like you have abandoned us. It does. We do. We do feel that sometimes. But Lord, that's that's the enemy pulling us away from you. Because you're here with us all the time. As a good, 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 good Father. And in Jesus name that I pray. Amen. If you've been coming to the village church for a while, you would notice that part of our liturgy, you know we have confessions of faith. Also we have confessions of sin. And the confessions of faith are usually taken from some of the, 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 the catechisms or some of the, the um, I forgot what I'm thinking now, confessions of faith that was written years ago. So today's confession of faith comes from the Shorter Catechism, question one. And I will read the question. Will you please respond with the answer? It says, what is the chief purpose for which God created humanity? But do you believe it? He confessed it. But do you believe it? That God made you, male and female, adult and kid, to and to glorify Him and to enjoy Him forever. But you got to believe that, not just here, but in your heart. Now we're going to transition to uh, confession of sin. Again, if you've been coming, we do this a lot through our order of worship. And I believe confession and repentance are a means of grace for us. And for me, repentance is, this is when I get the sand monkey off my back. Like, I know I'm forgiven. But when, when, when I repent, it's me getting that monkey off my back. And the monkey is shame, is guilt, is condemnation. All come from the enemy, not from the spirit. And so when you are confessing and when you are repenting, it's not just of the sin. It's giving you freedom from that shame and the guilt and the condemnation that you feel. Because some of us, when we sin, we wallow for a while in guilt and self-pity instead of embracing the grace that God has already given us. Because Jesus doesn't need you to get on the cross with him and ain't enough room for you and him. His death is enough. And so our uh, call to confession comes from Hebrews 12. It says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and cause trouble, and by it many become defiled. So let us go to the Lord now and spend a few moments in silent confession. Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let me read that again. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Amen. Saints. Now, if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word from 2 Corinthians 5, verses 11 through 21. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are, known, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is also known to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are if we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, that those who might live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Amen. For now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. And behold... The new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting that trespasses against him and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And for our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of God. You may be seated.
5: Y'all, I have a ministry moment. Um, so, I'm one of the mi- women's ministry leaders here at the Village Church, and um, women's ministry has some things coming up. Um, so, we have a donation drive coming up for First Stop. Um, just as we get to experience this love of God that we're singing about, we get to participate in um, being that love to the people in our community, to the people in our city, the people around us. Uh, It's not just a love for us to keep, but it's a love for us to spread and spread. Um, So First Stop is a really great organization here in Huntsville that is the first stop for people that are experiencing homelessness. Um, So they um, encounter people in the midst of where they are. Oh, they have a whole thing. Here we go. First stop encounters the homeless where they are, connects them to critical services and support, and empowers them toward independent, sustainable living. Um, so it's really like a transition organization to help them um, into independent, sustainable living. And so they provide all sorts of resources for people experiencing homelessness, you know, um, helping them get addresses and jobs and things like that, but they also provide materials. And so they need things like coats and gloves. They need things like... Styrofoam containers and cups um, They need men and women's underwear That's been on their list for quite a while So <laughs> um, so there is a box in the lobby And um, there is cards out there on the desk With the list of things that are needed It'll also be going out in Village Happenings You can also just look on their website uh, Firststop.org slash urgent needs They update the list every single week With what their urgent needs are um, And so that's always changing We'll be collecting donations until December 4th, and I really want to encourage you, like, um, use this as an opportunity to do this with someone else and get to know somebody. So if there's another person in the church that you don't know very well, that's new, or maybe they've been here forever, you just have not met them, be like, hey, let's go shopping together, and let's get the stuff and bring it, and then you can get to know someone, and you can care for them. While you're caring for other people. It's great. It's really a win-win all around. Um, So we'll be collecting donations until December 4th. There's a box in the back where you can put everything in. Um... And, yeah, that's coming up. Um, One other thing is our Women's Bible Study is coming up this Tuesday. Um, As Susan said, it's in the church house. We have a Bible study every single month, Um, and this is this month. And it's a really, really fun time. You don't need to have anything prepared beforehand. There's no homework afterwards. You just show up. We study scripture together. Um, There's not, like, another book or another video. It's literally just a passage printed out for you get colored pencils. We study it. We ask great questions and we eat good food. It's a really fun time and you should come. And that is all. Thank you. Oh, I'm supposed to do the prayer of supplication. Okay. Now we're going to (laughs) pray. Lord, you are so good and your love is beyond anything we can imagine. God, your love is so faithful and it just goes and goes and goes and goes. And Lord, I pray that you would make us a church that knows your love and make us a church that spreads your love, Lord. That just as you've done over the last 11 years, Lord, that you would continue to teach us and to use us to be um, a church that is bringing your kingdom to this community. Lord, that the neighborhood around us would be transformed because of you and because you have put your people here, God. I pray that there would be freedom from um, physical illness, Lord. I pray that there would be freedom from poverty. I pray that there would be freedom from addiction, that there would be freedom from abuse um, and any insecurity, Lord, that you would bring your kingdom to this neighborhood and that you would bring your kingdom here, God, and that we could be a part of what you're doing. We pray um, for the homeless population in Huntsville, God. We pray that you um, would use First Stop and use us with First Stop. Um, to bring real change, Lord, to bring love, um, so that people would know that you have made them, and that you have made them well, that you would give dignity, Lord, that you would give warmth in this cold winter, God, that you would bring real relationships that are healthy and deep, God um, that aren't taking advantage um, or unhealthy. God, I pray. For all those here in our body that need you, Um, whatever those needs may be, Lord, you know the situations that we're in and you have never left us one moment. God, so I pray for comfort, I pray for healing, I pray for restoration in any way that we need here in our body, um, that you would make us whole and send us out so we can participate with what you're doing um, to bring wholeness to all those around us. Amen.
6: good morning. Sorry about that. Thank you for the privilege of being here. It is an honor to be invited to serve you on this eleventh anniversary and just a something for you to remember as a church as people, as parents, as whatever role you are, you're in, you get more of what you celebrate. And so we want to celebrate God's grace and his goodness to this church. I have a high regard for the village church. I've probably prayed for the village church more than any other church other than my own North Hills. I love this church. I love your pastor and his family. I love the leaders. I love the people here. Even if I don't know you, I am thankful for you. And so it is a real privilege to be here. And just a simple question before I pray. Do you, and do you as a church, have a hope and a faith worth sharing? Do you have something worth sharing? Yeah, good, good. that's where we're going. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Village Church, and we celebrate these 11 years and even the years before that, uh, the work that you have done, the work that you are doing, and the work you will do through your people for their good and your glory. Father, I pray that you would use your word this morning to encourage us, to lead us, to equip us, to do your will. And, Father, we pray for many, many more years of ministry here in the village. Father, we praise you and thank you for your word. We pray that you'd use it by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I'm just your servant. So where there might be confusion or uncertainty, I pray those would be my words and they would quickly pass. But where there is exhortation and encouragement, I pray those would be your words and they would remain. And pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen you've probably heard in recent years through the news you know various controversies regarding Amazon warehouses you know they got too hot the pay was too low there weren't enough restroom breaks these sorts of things well amazon tried to have what they called a ambassador an ambassador program that used warehouse workers on twitter and those twitter uh, those Uh, Amazon workers were to tweet nice things about Amazon. Unfortunately, from the very beginning, and you maybe saw this coming, it backfired. All right, so it got ridiculed by the press. Parody accounts popped up. People pretending to be workers who'd gone rogue, tweeting about Father Bezos and their love for three-minute regulated bathroom breaks between shifts. There's a big difference... Between someone who is an ambassador and a PR stunt. That was a PR stunt. We are called to be ambassadors. Ambassador, an ambassador is an authorized messenger or representative of a sovereign. Maybe a king or a nation. And when we are brought into the kingdom, if you've been brought into the kingdom of God kingdom of the beloved son, then we come under the authority of King Jesus. And you become an ambassador, ambassador of the way, the truth and the life. So here's my theme. It's very simple. If we are united to Christ, if you are united to Christ, then we are united to his mission in this world. So I want to talk about three things, three M's. I love to do the alliteration. I'm sorry. Motivation, message, and mission of the Christian and the church who's who's united to Christ. So first, the motivation. Let's start there as we consider being united to Christ and united to his mission. Paul has had to deal with multiple questions about his ministry. And so he's addressing what motivates him and in that context we get a little sense of what motivates others paul's been personally attacked those from inside and outside of the church doubted the place of his ministry because paul's life and ministry didn't line up with expectations if you you don't need to turn there i'll read it chapter 10 verse 10 he's quoting for they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak, and his speech of no account you say yeah, you, Paul could write a good letter, but well, when he shows up, I mean, look at that fool right who does he think he is and so the expectations didn't line up at what people expected the appeal that Paul had was not based on outward Appearance. It wasn't based on his eloquence. It wasn't based on his life going well. Paul's life circumstances were challenging being run out of towns, being imprisoned, being beaten, being disregarded. So if you looked at his ministry, you might say, Well, who does this guy think he is? But Paul is not concerned about his. Approval ratings. He's not concerned about his Google reviews. He is motivated by a Christ centered focus as opposed to a self centered focus. There's three motivations, real quick the fear of the Lord or a proper fear, the love of Christ, and living for Christ. So uh, verse 11 begins a new section very clearly, but it's it's tied into the verse before that. Verse 10 of chapter 5, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's how that verse begins. Then Paul says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord. So that's his first motivation, is knowing the fear of the Lord, because we are all going to have to be before the judgment seat of Christ. And if that's the case, what will be your appeal? Will it be your appearance? Will it be what you have done? What you have accomplished? Will it be your accolades? It won't be any of that, will it, saints? It'll be Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. And so we have a a proper fear of the Lord because we recognize that God is God And he loves us. And so there's this reality of judgment and standing in fear before the Lord. Not cowering, but recognizing who he is and what he has done for us. And so Paul desires to have a ministry of persuasion. Telling the world about the way, the truth, and the life. Telling the world about Jesus. He knows what it means to know the Lord in this way. To live in holy reverence and awe before the Lord. It's this fear of the Lord that motivates him. That's what verse 11 says. We persuade others, therefore, because of this fear. But counter that would be a self-centered focus. He says, continuing verse 11, but what we are What we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about what? About outward appearance and not about what is in their heart. So it's more about looking good than being good in Christ. Belonging to him. And so his persuasion is not about creating a following for himself or improving his reputation in Corinth or any other city. It's the fear of the Lord. But not only that, it's his love for Christ. Verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us, or maybe your translation says compels us. What controlled Paul previously, before he knew the Lord, what controlled him? Pride. Pride. Performance, zeal for his own name, hatred of his enemies, that's what motivated him. And now the love of Christ controls him. The love of Christ compels him into this world. It's not his love for Christ, though that may be present, but his understanding of Christ's love for him. Jesus did not come to serve himself, but to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's what Paul Barnett says. He says, there is no power so great, no motivation so strong as the knowledge that someone loves me. Jesus loves you. And that becomes the motivation for you to go out into this world united with him in mission. United by faith to his love. So then the last motivation is to live for Christ. Before Christ, we live for ourselves. We may not recognize it as such. It doesn't mean you can't do good things in the world and serve in good ways. Sometimes our non-Christian brothers and sisters, neighbors, they outpace us in doing good. But the Christian is now living for Christ doesn't mean we'll do it perfectly, but look at verse 15. As verse 14 goes on, speaking of Christ's death, and he died for all all those that belonged to him, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So who are you living for? Who is this church living for? What kind of wrong motivations exist within Christ's church? I won't go into detail. I'll just mention these. Being self-centered, self-focused, or church-focused, self-promotion, self-protective. Churches who are more about what they are against than what they are for or who they are for. Churches that are busy guarding the gates that they fail to see the needs of the world around them. Any of you like to browse Zillow? I do. I like to see houses that are out there, see what's going on in my neighborhood, that sort of stuff. I'm nosy like that, right? But every now and then I'll be on Zillow and I'll come across a church that has been converted into a house or some sort of community center. And I I don't know how to feel about that. I have mixed feelings because first there's this sadness that that church is no longer a church. But then again... If they're no longer a church, maybe they don't need to be there. Maybe they forgot their mission of being united to Christ and with his mission. And so I have mixed feelings about that, but I see that. But maybe it's a church that used Jesus for their own means rather than allowing Jesus to use them for his means. So what's our motivation for ministry? What motivates you to exist as a church? What motivates you to move out into the world for the sake of the gospel? Having a proper fear of God and, a, and knowing the love of Christ for you and living for him is a good place to start. And if you're motivated in that way, then you move out into the world with a, a message. Now, the world is full of com- competing messages, isn't it? Telling you what to think, telling you how to spend your time, what to buy. What causes to get behind? Some may be good, some less so. I have not counted this up, so just take this for what I've seen on the Internet. Estimated that you see six to 10,000 ads every day. Think about it. I mean, even if it were on the low end. But if you, when you drive home today, you, what are you going to see? Add here, add here, add here. You turn on your television, what are you going to see? Ad here. You pull up the internet, what are you going to see? You're going to see it. It's constantly coming at you. And into the sea of messages, the church, church wades with a different kind of message. A message that is truly transformative and eternal. A message that changes our lives for better and for good. The message of the ambassador of Christ is not just one, one among many. But it is the radical message of the work of Christ to save lost and ruined sinners. So we have content to our message. It's, first of all, a message of grace. In Christ, God has done something that he did not have to do. He paid the price of our sin by sending Jesus to the cross. He became our representative. He was our substitute. Back to verse 4, 14, excuse me. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And we put that in the context. We know that Paul's not speaking of a universalism, but he's speaking of those that are called to Christ. Christ has died for every one of those. And it is a message of grace because you don't come before Jesus. With your goodness. You don't come before him with your resume or your LinkedIn profile. He came as our substitute and we receive that work by faith. Not only is it a message of grace, it's a message of reconciliation. Paul, towards the end of this passage, verse 19 says, we are entrusted with the message of reconciliation. We are declaring to a lost and alienated world what it means to come back into a right relationship with God. And because we come back into a right, right relationship with God, we are able to be in a relationship with our brothers and sisters who may look very different than us. They may act very different than us. They may come from a different place. And yet we can be reconciled to God together. We are declaring this reconciliation, being able to stand before God without shame, knowing that He has removed the barrier of sin and rebellion, and re- so we are restored to relationship. I saw a little uh, part of 60 Minutes uh, recently, as this past Sunday, uh, Tristan Harris is the co-founder of the Center for Humane, Humane Technology. And what he said is, online, in your social media places, if you're there, you get rewarded by the algorithms, and this can be shown, demonstrated, you get rewarded for being divisive entrepreneurs, in his words. Divisive entrepreneurs. So if you quote something, or share something, or say something that engenders rage, and brings out big emotions... That gets rewarded. That will get shared. Sharing about the love of Christ may not be. So there's a content of our message. It's a message of grace and a message of reconciliation. There's also the demonstration of that message. The beautiful thing about our message is that it's not just about the words that we share. Words are important. Believe me, I'm a preacher. Words are important. But the content of our message does matter very much. And in God's grace and wisdom, we become the demonstration of that message. You are a trophy of God's grace. You are a trophy of his grace. You become salt and light in the world. You become living proof of the transforming, redemptive work of God. Before we knew Christ in this way, we may have viewed him as the world did, according to the flesh. That's what Paul says. He's just a man, a good preacher, a good philosopher. He did some nice things. But no longer do you see Jesus in that way because you are not the same. You are not the same. You are transformed and you become a living demonstration of God's grace, and reconciliation. No one is the same after a saving encounter with Christ. Isn't that what happened with Paul? He's up on his high horse. I don't know if it was high. He's up on his horse. I think maybe it was a camel. I don't know. Right. He's riding along and Jesus comes and he is not the same. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what? He is a new creation. She is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Do you believe that? The new has come right now. You are living in eternal grace. I know when we look out in the world, we say it doesn't feel like it. I get that. And it doesn't always feel like that because more is coming. But you're living in that now. And you become this demonstration because you are a new creature. Creature, And it would be a shame if we were to move out into our community, if you were to move out into this community and into our world, but we didn't have anything of substance to share. It would be a shame if we didn't have a message that God could change and transform the world we live in. It would be a shame if our message was about how cool we are rather than how great God is. But guess what? We have something, don't we? And I want to tell you this, brothers and sisters, this is not for Alex. All right, Alex does this, right? This isn't even necessarily for your leaders. Invite... The people you know to this church invite your neighbors. I know it can get weird and awkward, and you get tired of being rejected. You don't have to be a, a pest, but invite your neighbors because here's we we had our catechism question one earlier. Here's from the same catechism question eighty nine: How is the word made effectual to, to to salvation? Excuse me, the Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the word, an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. Here's what I'm saying. When you invite your neighbors and your co-workers and your enemies to this church and the gospel is preached, and I know that it will be, God can use that. God will use that. So you think, I'm not good at evangelism. Okay. Are you? Can you... Tell someone about your church? I think you can. So there's the motivation and the message and finally the mission. And I I tell my congregation this a lot. We are not just saved from something but for something. So verse 18. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the message of reconciliation. And then verse 21, one of my favorite verses in Scripture, it's the heart of the gospel. If you want to take someone to the gospel in one verse, take them to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin so that in him, that's united by faith, you might become the righteousness of God. That's the gospel in one verse. Jesus came to save you from your sin and to give you his righteousness. And because of that, then you're united to his mission. You're saved from your sin and your alienation from God. In your sin, your relationship is broken. It's broken with God. But he removes the barriers and he restores us into full communion with him through Christ. You're saved from that. But you're also saved for something because God has saved us from our sin and alienation and judgment. We're now called to live for him and he becomes the cause of our ministry in the world. And he gives us a ministry of reconciliation, as we've said, this is a new mission for believers, a mission to serve the Lord in his purposes, to use our words and our deeds to proclaim the work of God. And the origin of this is where? From where? It's from God. God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Our mission is a ministry. You see this? Your mission is a ministry. You're entrusted with the message of God's reconciling work in this world. Kent Hughes says, This divine act of depositing implies two things. Firstly, that those who minister have themselves been made recipients of, of the grace of reconciliation. And secondly, that they are under obligation to proclaim that grace to the world. And so you are ambassadors. I don't know if you think like that or you, you feel that. But you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ if you are united to him in faith. And so you've, you've been given a new calling. We're called to serve as representatives of God in this world. We don't speak for ourselves, but we proclaim the message that God has given to us. Any authority that we have is derived from the one we represent. And as ambassadors, we serve as both messengers and representatives of our God in this world. And so what does he do? He uses us to make an appeal and implore others to know God through Christ. Paul even says that in verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. If anyone's here today who's not united to Christ by faith, be reconciled to God through him. And don't delay. There are men and women who would love to talk to you. And help you explore that. That I am sure. There should be a sense of urgency within our mission. We should always be sensitive to the people around us and their needs. We should listen well. We should seek to be winsome in the way that we fulfill our mission. We don't have to be jerks. I don't think that's hard, but I feel like I have to say that. You don't have to be a jerk to get a hearing. But at the same time, we don't need to be or shouldn't be casual. Or lackadaisical might be a better word. We should take seriously our calling. What kinds of things are we living for? I don't always do this when I preach. I mean, I'm willing to serve as ambassador for all sorts. That, that's not Pastor Alex's. That's mine. All right? I, no, 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 sir. No, no, yeah, I'll I, I get up with you later. But what kinds of things come easily? I'll talk about Georgia football, amen? Wait, wait. I thought this was for some, anyway, maybe I got that wrong. Ask me about my favorite pizza or donuts. Yeah, I'll tell you about this. In fact, you don't even have to ask me. I will tell you, when I get... Together with Alex, he'll tell you, I'm often pulling stuff out of my bag, showing him, look at this, look at this, He'll say, what's next? And just give me a week, right? I don't have trouble being an ambassador for things I enjoy. I don't have trouble being an ambassador for things that I like. I don't have trouble being an ambassador for things that make my life better. Does Jesus fit that bill? I think he does. That... And some. In that same 60 minutes slot with Tristan Harris, he said there's a survey of preteens in the U.S. is that the number one aspirational career is to be a social media influencer. I don't know about that. But what I will say is that you're not called to be an influencer for some company or brand you're not a brand ambassador, but a grace ambassador You see you've been united to a missionary god That missionary god came to rescue you And because you know that god then you move out into this world And so that's my call to this church on this 11th anniversary Is that there would be 11 more and 11 times 11 more more Years of missionary ministry to this place and to the world around you. And wherever God calls you to go, you're united to Christ in his grace. Go out in that grace. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for your love for me. Changes me. Changes the way I talk. The way I walk changes the things I do. And, Father, if that's true in my life, then what happens when we come together? We become an irresistible and unstoppable force, not because of us, but because of you. And so, Father, as you are reconciling people together here at the village, I pray that that same ministry would be taken out beyond these walls. Lord, do your work, work your will, and lead us in your ways. And I thank you for these 11 years and more. We celebrate it, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
2: stand as we sing this last song of encouragement as we go out throughout this week that we will remember that whatever God says about us is true. We are who he says we are. Not what the world says, but who Jesus says we are. Trust and believe that. Would you sing with me?
3: Who am I that the highest king would welcome Lost, but he brought me in all his love.
6: which is god's blessing upon you as you go if you want to place out your hands now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in christ jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and god's people say amen go in his
0: peace